oh, aren't we just girls making it happen? I know. When life just like, you know, when life gets lifey, we just <laughs> take, put one foot in front of the other, right? Life is yeah. very lifey right now. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. It in, I've got two beautiful women in their closets, one in Chicago, one in Nashville. And um, I'm in Van Gray Ventura and Candace. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to do this. And I love and I love this. And I'm sure we'll get into talking about like why it's also so special that like the three of us are together as like <laughs> grown up CG and just I like know. hanging on the mic and, and talking. So weird just like seeing all these people who I knew when I was so little and then like reintroducing myself it kind of feels like you know in a way because you're so different um yeah yeah it is very cool well let me get into this just because you know we do do our intros around here. Um, welcome <laughs> to Buy Bitches, everyone. Today's guest is Candace King. She's an actress, singer, and podcaster. I really, really look up to her in that respect. <laughs> in everything, actually. But she's best known for her role as Caroline Forbes on the CW Supernatural drama series, The Vampire Diaries, and her recurring role as the same character on the originals and legacies. And she is currently hosting a Super Bloom podcast where she's discussing grief, roadblocks, and tough times that we experience and all of that leads to life lessons and growth. So I'm really excited to talk to you and catch up with you in a way I've never done before. We first start off um, with our podcast. We like to do something just called the 411 and say, how are you? How are you doing? What's new? <laughs> oh, my. Um, how am I? I'm alive. How am <laughs> I doing? Uh, it is uh, six o'clock here in Nashville and I am drinking cold brew still. So that should really be an indicator of like how I'm doing. Um, Definitely. <laughs> and uh, the 411 is, uh, you know, closets are the new office space. Who needs some sort of like, you know, closets are so cool, especially if you throw a blanket behind you and some little little dingle dangle Christmas lights. What's more professional than that? You know, that's the 411. I literally was getting ready and I was listening to Super Bloom podcast. Um, I want to say like, you were podcasting before everyone. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic, not everyone, but you started podcasting before everyone had a podcast. Like you started in like uh, 2017 with uh, Directionally Challenged, right? Yeah, I co-hosted Directionally Challenged with Kaylee Yule for many seasons. And um, we, you know, it was this really kind of fun thing. I mean, we were in LA, we had young children and we were just kind of in between auditions and jobs and wanting something that we could kind of call our own and, and, and something that was fun and felt creative, but not also overwhelming just because we had day jobs and in lives and families and all the things. And this was right around the time, like it was right when armchair expert kind of started. And so that, um, was the first time that I'd really serial was the first podcast I'd listened to when everyone went into like the serial craze with Adnan and, you know, in that really wild case, um, which is wild to see that it's like kind of spawned this whole other genre of like the podcasting sphere in in careers. But uh, but so, yeah, it was a fun time to start, especially for women. There weren't a lot of women in podcasting. And I've learned a lot. I mean, it, it is, I have someone, I'm someone that if I see someone that I'm a fan of and that I admire in the industry or in any kind of, you know, any industry, that's someone who I'm just like a big fan of, I will not go up and say hello to them. It's too scary. Like I don't like networking. I don't like, you know, getting in there and, you know, handshakes, like get some babies. Like I will kind of hide in a corner and so being in podcasting um, has really uh, encouraged this, my ability to reach out to people that I really admire and uh, get to know them and ask them all the questions that I could only ever dream of asking them that I would usually be too chicken to do in any sort of normal day-to-day -day life. So that's been my favorite part of it so far. I like that. I completely agree. It's just one of these things that, well, I got asked to do it and then... Afterwards, I realized I look forward to having connections and these conversations that I wouldn't normally have because it's a it's a situation where we set up a meeting, have a conversation, knowing that we're 
I'm focused. I try to focus on things that are interesting to me. And if it's interesting to me, then it should be hopefully interesting to the people that are listening to people that follow us. Or also it's just rewarding to know that people are really interested in something that we've done. And I love the idea of exploring, celebrating what we've done in the past, but also exploring what the cultural influence and impact of some of the shows that we've done have on society. I mean, you're looking at a cultural impact right here with CG and the Vampire Diaries. We're here right now because CG, this is her favorite show. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so wild. Well, so, speaking yeah. of past and favorite shows, our whole podcast is going to be about, you know, watching old shows and I'm introducing my mom to my favorites. She's introducing me to her favorites. How does it make you feel when you watch, you know, one of your comfort shows or one of a show you used to watch when you were a kid? So like, how do you feel when you watch something from your past like that? I there there's like a few things that I watch with my kids now that kind of feel like comfort shows. America's Funniest Home Videos, even though they're new episodes, um, you know, it still makes me feel like a sense of being a little kid at home with my parents and now being like the parent with my kids watching it because structurally it's still the same. You know what? It, a dude gets hit in the balls. It's still hilarious, guys. Still yeah. hilarious after all these years. Um, and. And so like, that's a comfort show. A comfort show is also, I love Lucy. Um, that is something that if life gets really overwhelming and like, you know, I, I usually take charge of the radio most of the time. <laughs> it's very rare that I let my kids pick the radio music, but they usually are in charge of the television when we're all watching something. But when mom is real stressed out on a Sunday and I just need to feel comfortable, like, it's usually I go to like specific I Love Lucy episodes that I can put on like the mink coat episode or um, I love the the cheese episode when they're coming back from Europe. There's this like whole amazing bit where like Lucy buys like this giant block of cheese mm -hmm. and one needs to like smuggle it back into the U.S. and tries to pretend it's a baby on an airplane. And I just it, it just and it's the funniest episode and it's so simple but after all these years like all of those i love lucy episodes hold up so beautifully other more like modern comfort shows are like broad cities i'll, I'll rewatch that oh i'll, I'll rewatch re if i need to cry i'll just rewatch season two of fleabag and just ball my eyes out in a couple <laughs> hours but that's the magic of television in what it's become um now i think is this like beautiful little storytelling it becomes like this book that you can reread over over and over again, which it wasn't for a while, you know, you kind of either caught it or you didn't. And now, you know, you can kind of go back and in a way, like reread it with the rewatch and rebinge it. Right. You can look at it after you watch it when you're younger and you watch it when you're older, you can watch it with a different perspective, like you're different too. So the show is gonna, you know, you're gonna get different things out of it. Yeah. I remember, of course, being a mom, you tend to get into your kids shows. So that becomes your go to because you're there like, what's going to make my daughter happy? We were Blue's Clues and CG. CG literally had a, a Disney princess chair with a Disney princess lunch bag. And she would sit and watch Disney shows and movies and sing the songs. And I mean, that's about the time that you, I think you met her actually. No, no, wait, she's much older. No, she was I 10. Was older. You were 10. <laughs> you were 10. I was out of my out of my child Disney era at that point, I would like to say. <laughs> well, kind of, maybe. No, you never really get out of um, Mulan. CG used to sing that to when she was four. Oh, so right. good. It's well, so good. one more thing before we get into the other part while we're here. But we ask um, this question of all our guests. What is your favorite film right now? Or what is your favorite film of all time? It can be something you've done. It could be any. What's the first one that pops into your head? I always, French kiss is like my favorite. That is, I, I mean, I also like if it was easier to down, like to stream, I would watch it all the time. But if for anyone that doesn't know French kiss, it's a Meg Ryan film. It's Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein, And it's like late nineties. And, and it's this like fantastic rom-com where Meg Ryan, basically her fiance goes on a work trip to Paris and Meg Ryan doesn't go. And her fiance calls her from Paris and is like, I met someone else. I'm in love. And he's basically like at the start of a midlife crisis. And she is someone who's scared of flying and decides to say, screw it, jump on an airplane, and go to Paris and like get her love back and everything goes wrong. And Kevin Klein plays this like grumpy, like kind of hot, like nicotine looking, smelling, you know, Frenchman who kind of becomes her sidekick. And, you know, and then I'll let you just imagine the love story that comes from it. But it's like so 
great. It's such a quotable rom-com and it's like Meg Ryan in like her most Meg Ryanist. And I just love it. I, love I think it. Meg Ryan in any rom-com is going to be good. Well, I love that you reminded me of that because I, that's, that is a movie that I've watched multiple, multiple times. And, and Kevin Klein, and remember when she eats the cheese on the train and yeah, she's, like, she's oh. like, I mean, I just think, how could you eat that much cheese? Lactose intolerant. She's like, don't talk about the cow. I just ate that cow. It's just so it's, it's good. It's brilliant. Which if we're learning anything, cheese humor just always crushes. Like, I think we just need to lead between I Love Lucy and this movie. Cheese humor really, really crushes. And getting hit in the balls. And getting hit in the balls. Like, that's there we go. We need to just write a new rom-com with that. All right, let's talk TVD. No other character on The Vampire Diaries has made as monumental a transformation as Caroline Forbes. In eight seasons, Caroline went from a shallow mean girl obsessed with being the best to an ass-kicking vampire Barbie who can hold her own in the supernatural world. Before we get into any details or anything, take us right back to the beginning of your performing career. How did you get into performing and singing and acting? What made you want to pursue this? I, yeah, I started a career off in music. I my my plan was to be an international pop star. You know, I felt like it was a really like a foolproof plan, just really responsible. <laughs> um, it, but it is what brought me out to uh, Los Angeles. And and I at 16 got signed to a record label, got a publishing deal. And um, in 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 the long run, that is not where my career took me. I also realized it's not what I wanted to continue doing and that, you know, sometimes you don't always become an international pop star. And I don't know why I thought that becoming an actor was going to be um, like a good backup plan. Uh, I definitely never, I never intended on being an actor. Hmm. I, TV was my best friend growing up. I still love television just as much. Um, and when I moved to LA, I was really lucky that I had a unique experience and in, in that I met a lot of really good people. I met a lot of really good friends. And that's not what happens m more often than not, unfortunately. And but all these friends happened to be uh, young teenagers who were on shows. And so if I wanted to hang out with them, I would go to their sets. And even I had a friend who he was on a sitcom. Our moms were friends. And so I started taking my high school classes with him. And I and so I really loved being on a set. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is fun. And I could see this like familial creative environment that I was very drawn to, as well as the obscene amount of free snacks, which I was also very drawn to at that time. But all jokes aside, uh, funny enough, it was my label that encouraged me to start acting because they wanted me to basically book a role on One Tree Hill. Funny enough. It, it was on Maverick Records and uh, it was it, Madonna's label at the time before it like went into Warner Brothers, but they they were doing a lot of cross promotion. So like if you think back on like one tree, early one tree hill days, you would have seen, you know, who was also on the label, Michelle Branch, you know, Tyler Hilton. These were all artists who were on Maverick who would then do like runs on one tree hill and promote themselves. And so I totally bombed my one tree hill audition. <laughs> like. <laughs> Didn't get it, uh, but I had an, a theatrical manager at the time and I kept auditioning and I and I got a like independent film and I really liked it. Like I really liked, you know, being on a set and, and, and acting. And again, this was not like this wasn't the plan. I was just doing this so I could get my record put out. Mm -hmm. um, but once I started, I decided to kind of make an executive decision later on. I had done some other odd, odd jobs. I worked as a backup singer on the road. I, I was a person like a celebrity personal assistant for a while. And, um, and then I was, you know, 21 years old and decided like, okay, if I'm going to give it a shot, like this is the time to do it. So I just buckled down and took a bunch of acting classes and, and really started paying attention to my auditions and, and, and really putting my best foot forward. And um, I mean, look, I, I hit the, freaking lottery I, I won the jackpot there's no other way to explain it except just you know, really lucky and not to say that I didn't work hard from a young age for other things but I, I was very very lucky to have walked in that room with the right character and you know the people creatively who saw something and heard something within 
my voice and the way I played the character that resonated with the way that they saw her. And, and I, and I booked Caroline Forbes. And so I, uh, it was my first pilot season. I had auditioned for, I had tested for a few shows and this was the one that went. And hmm. in that, that whole first season, I thought I was done. Like I, 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 I never, and I still never bought a place in Atlanta all those years because I just like was constantly holding my breath that like, you never know, you know, right. you never know. So I, um, I, I luckily it is very funny that after all that, I was even told that I was the greenest of the bunch. And after all that, I was, she was like one of the, she's like the one last remaining character that lived. It's pretty amazing when I, I got to say, um, before we go on, I, you know, when I was doing this podcast and we wanted to do some TVD and I thought it was great, let's interview Kayla. And I wanted to interview Zach cause I had scenes with him and, and I kept thinking, because I haven't seen the whole series and I was like, couple episodes here, a couple episodes with that. And then I get to you and I was like, I can't pick an episode. I can't pick oh. one episode. So I have spent, so I've watched into season three. I mean, and also you're talking 22, 24 episodes per season and I'm up into season three, but I've had to go jump forward to understand your character arc for eight acting <laughs> seasons. You're not even at some of the best stuff at season three. You're oh. not even like I know, into the but I really know. good stuff yet. <laughs> but it was it was one of those things that I was like, I'm going to completely change this because I want to talk about her arc because, but I'm also really interested. I mean, we're here for that, but there's also something really interesting in your journey because you start, as you said, you start on a show that you said, somebody said that you were green and you're the leading lady by the eighth season or the seventh and eighth season. And that's something to be said. So I'm just very fascinated by your journey and, and all of the things that come along with that, because I've done a couple series for four, four seasons each, but never double that, which you did eight seasons. And that's a, that's, you become a completely different person by the end. I was curious, like the first season because I came in at kind of at the end of the first season and you guys were a family. That first season is like this really incredible, like magnetic uh, experience. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we were all really young. Um, you know, we shot the pilot in Vancouver and that's where we thought we were going to live. And then we all mm. ended up in Atlanta when things weren't filming in Atlanta. You know, this was, I think the only thing that started filming there was like Walking Dead. There was a show called Drop Dead Diva on Lifetime in Us. And uh, social media wasn't really around at that point. So mm. let's just say we had a very good time. Uh, we had fun. We bonded. We had a lot we had of fun. Party. We had a lot of good times. Was... <laughs> uh, we had fun. And, and the other funny thing is because it wasn't like this huge industry town yet, a lot of our, you know, you have to think back, a lot of the crew was really young. So mm -hmm. a lot of the crew were just like kids in their 20s. And so we we weren't just close as a cast. We were really close as a production. And so many people were transplants. So we would, you know, wrap it 11 p.m. on a Friday and be like, okay, we'll see you at the wine bar. And like, almost like as a whole production, we would go to this wine bar until like they'd kick us out, you know, at like four mm -hmm. in the morning. And we, we were just very, very close knit. Uh, we were a very close group. And, uh, but yeah, we were, we just, it was, we were really lucky. There it was, there was lightning in a bottle. There was something really magical. And, um, and we are still a family. Like I run into everyone. I mean, we were just, we do these like comic cons and these conventions where we get to see each other. And even like in Nashville, like there, you know, we're, there's like a group of us at dinner. I just saw Trevino yesterday. We did a golf, like a golf tournament, you know, we're a group of us are going to be in New York in two weeks and like going to making dinner plans. Like it, it does become that family where it doesn't mean that you hang out all the time, but when you do see each other, you pick up right where you left off. Right. And that is the unique experience of like a really long running series. Whereas like the, the come down off of it is very real. Like when you like saying goodbye, you almost have to like grieve it. Mm -hmm. And then also you just have this like shorthand with each other that doesn't really go away. It's funny, like watching, like watching like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion after all those years, the Friends reunion after all those years, or like even the Game of Thrones, like when they were their final episode, it's very like you resonate so much with like these kind of unspeakable, like unspoken bonds you have with each other. Um, but yeah, we were really, really close. We all had so much fun. And um, 
I, I usually get asked, like, did you guys know it was going to be so successful? And I, I think a part of us did, you mm -hmm. know, we, we knew that there was something really special there and, um, we all were kind of like on the ride or on the ride for it, but not, but we also had a very normal life in Atlanta. Like, I right. feel like Melinda, you could, you know, attest to that, like being there, it's not like we were filming in LA or New York where like everyone's competing for, uh, you know, which red carpet event they're going to go to that night or anything like that, which I've heard other, you know, friends of mine who've been on shows that did film, you know, it, when everyone was young and they're filming in big cities like that, it becomes this like very odd, like social competitive hierarchy. It can, because you also like have so many people like feed, you know, in the industry that can kind of feed that to you. Whereas in Atlanta, Again, I mean, our biggest concern is like if we get out at 1230, maybe the wine bar will stay. Right, right. Our, our whole thing was how can we hang out with each other more? I always think that that first when you start shooting a pilot you, um, was March, April, I think. And then you start shooting when you get picked up around July. Mm -hmm. And that first few months before it's even airing is literally it's just about you guys getting connect, connecting and creating that bond. And when you spend that much time together, it, it magnifies those relationships that you could have in real life. And it's, and, and I love hearing that the crew was part of that too. That's happened to me a few times, not all the time um, where it's, it's the cast, the crew, everybody's in it together. Mm -hmm. And it's such a reward. And you all do things together, and especially on a location situation where everybody's away from home. That's how you survive. I used to think when I was younger getting, I remember I did a show in Texas once and I didn't want to go because I was like, I'm going away by myself and I'm 24 years old. And you literally, your family becomes your hair and makeup and, and every, you be, and those people are my dear friends to this day, like my, some of my best friends. So yeah. I do think that that's, I could see it in, I recognized it when I came at, came um, at the end of the first season, I could see how, how much fun you guys were having. And you guys were so welcoming and were like dragging me out. <laughs> It was fun. It was fun. But um, but then after the first season, you called me and I have to say this. I'm sure I've said this before, but um, you ended up living with CG and me for about a month or something. I for did. You saved me. Yeah, <laughs> I I had a, had a living situation set up in L.A. And unfortunately, it was like a like a favor and it was with someone it I, basically I worked with someone and they had a friend who was letting me basically rent a room from them for a month in L.A. And my working relationship with the person, you know, ended. So they then were upset by that. And then the person who was letting me rent the room for them was basically, you got to get out. That is so petty. And I was like, OK. And so I just put everything in the car, like my rental car. <laughs> like, I can't remember if I shipped my car back and you were so sweet. And you were like, I forget if we ran into each other somewhere or like at a dinner or like at some of the event, but we saw each other and I was, and you were just like, come stay with me, come yeah. stay with me. And you were so welcoming and kind. And I was like young and just still like, you know, it's like, I, I'm fully aware of that. Like, uh, you know, at 22, this level of self-awareness is not very high and you just could not have been more wonderful and welcoming. And like, uh, like I just, I, I look back on that time very fondly and appreciative of just, um, yeah, all of it. Do you remember we would go, we'd jump on CG's trampoline and the yes. front, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, so did you have any memory of it at all? I have one memory, but it's like one of those memories that I feel like have been told to me. So maybe it's not actually my memory. <laughs> but I remember sitting on the kitchen counter and Candace, you walk in and then someone else from two other people from the cast walked in or something. And I had no idea who these people were. And I was just like sitting there watching these like cool young people in my house. And it was like the age where you <laughs> see people who are like, 19 or 20 and you just think they're like the coolest people ever i just remember whoever i met that summer i was it was like, probably stephen mcqueen yeah yeah I, I know it was stephen and zach was there at one point but shane was there too shane west so there was just some people in my life that could have been shane west too i just remember <laughs> thinking like these people are cool 
like <laughs> so cool. <laughs> you know, Candace, I have a very vivid memory and it kind of goes to something about, I remember having a conversation with you and you would go to Trader Joe's and you would bring home your food and we were eating like veggies and hummus. And we got into this conversation about feeling pressure because my show is on the CW as well and about feeling pressure to look a certain way um, on to, you know, like being told, I mean, they're from time to time, I've been told that I look too, um, like I needed more contour in my face or, but every once in a while you get told that, you know, that you're not up to snuff or something. I remember you and I had this conversation. Do you remember I've been that? told at the end of season one in look, I'm not trying to, there, there, there's no witch hunt that needs to be done on like no. throwing anyone under the bus. I just want to like make that clear. And I've talked about this before, but I was, it was brought to my attention that like, I, I had gained some weight. I had, I had gained some weight and, uh, you know, I was made aware of that fact and very, maybe like in that, like, uh, <laughs> what's that movie was where it's like, Oh, it's Catherine Heigl. It's the one where she's pregnant. I was not pregnant. I just was drinking beer a lot. And then there was also this fantastic restaurant down the street for me where you could order bacon and a side of peanut butter that they would grind in house and you dip the bacon in the peanut butter. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've gained weight. I, this is my diet. How could, how could it be? Is that um, possible? How is that possible? But I had gained some weight. It had been brought to my attention. And, um, you know, I basically was definitely aware of wanting to get healthier before we went back to film. And I and I've had people in my life who have struggled with eating disorders and any sort of like kind of like in body dysmorphia and disordered eating. And and I'm very grateful that I had known at that point that I that's not something that like I knew that psychologically I could handle it. And so I was able to, you know, get, I had also a job where I could get a trainer and be aware of like the food that I am putting into my body. And if it's making me feel good and just have a level of awareness of my health, but you know, it does happen. And that's not necessarily, it's a weird conversation to have. It's weird. It is weird. When you told me, I just remember (laughs) thinking like, because I've met you at the end of the season, because I hadn't met you before, but honestly, it's not something it's a, it was weird because it's not something that I would have said, but you're saying, but you're saying, but, but you didn't know me a few months ago. And I think there's this odd thing from time to time. I think a, a producer told me once on a talk show that my cellulite in my leg was showing. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, sometimes you got to be a duck. You got to let things just roll off your back. But, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, hey, guess what? And exactly the same thing. They're like, you need more contour. And I'm like, oh, I had wine and pasta the night before. And those things, Pete, they notice those things. They notice. Look, it's like, it's not like, it's not like anything hadn't changed. I mean, again, one, could things always be handled? Like, this is going to be a sticky conversation, no matter how you cut it. Uh, could, yeah. You know, is it necessary? It's a very weird industry where the, the way that you look is a part of it. And the way that I had been hired, you That's know, the way I said. looked when I was hired yeah. wasn't necessarily matching up with the way that I looked at that moment. Now, Of course. Also, I want to also go on the record to say that, like, I would go on to have babies. My weight fluctuated constantly. I mean, when you are on a show for that long and by constantly, I just mean like I know because of the clothes I would wear. But I I had already had a therapist that I was able to speak to about it. I had, you know, I had all those little kind of like backup things to make sure that I was doing this healthy, doing it in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and was really making sure it was focused on my health. And like, and it really made me think of like, well, how do I view myself? And funny enough, it like, and I, it, it, it I had some really positive um, discussions with myself where even later on, it was just like, well, this is just how I look and this is how my body looks and it's yeah. going to change sometimes. And if you're going to work on something for nine months out of the year, guess what? I'm going to wake up puffy at some point because pizza is real good and that's okay. And then another time I'm going to come in because I've had a great workout. And that that's okay too, but um, but yeah, it was I I do remember that like period of time and being in L.A. and being like it's just uh yeah so it was well I think we all deal with it I think it's like one of those things because by the time I came on the end of the Vampire Diaries I was going through menopause and wasn't eating and drinking too much like all those things that my body that I'd gotten away with for many years all of a sudden was saying sorry uh-uh, no more you don't have the same metabolism you're not. And, and I was like, and so it, it took me a number of years to get all of it balanced and get hormones balanced and kind of go into these years and feel 
good about and accepting of things changing, of the next skin changing, of things drip drooping and all that, because it's hard to watch yourself and like do the other podcasts and go, whoa, that's the way I used to look. How do I do that again? But at some point, we just have to accept that. Um, and it's not that I have to adhere to the standard of when I was 30, but I have to accept where I am now and know what what makes me what makes me healthy and what's what yeah. where I'm at my best. And they have like you said, they they have a right to say we hired you looking this way. We don't want to see a dramatic change in one season, although I never saw it. So I didn't agree with it. But anyway, so I mean, we can it, move it on is, from this. No, no, no. It, it's very it is very interesting because it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, but I I was able to come back. And you know what? I I did. I did feel better again. I highly recommend if any like I, I want to make it very clear that I had a very I had the means in order to have a supportive team around me with like checking in with the, like I had therapy to make sure that any thoughts that were coming up were healthy thoughts and not ones that were like maybe going the wrong way. And I also had a, like a physical therapy, I had a trainer, you know, so I could really get back in touch with my body. And that's where a lot of it came from as well. But and it would be great too, because I started working a lot more after that and, um, and was on the show for the long run. I mean, at, I, it, at that point, I was still really was holding out like, who knows? Who knows if I'll come back for season two? And who knows, you know, once they turn by season two, spoiler alert, they turn Caroline into a vampire. And um, yeah. and I and they had never had a female turn into a vampire that they didn't kill off right away. So right. <laughs> I was kind of holding my breath a little bit, you know, and then it's a show designed for people to die. And let me tell you, I I've not cried so much in the past couple of weeks for <laughs> any show. I just all of a sudden these characters die and I start weeping and my husband, Adam's like, what's going on? And I've just been crying and every time somebody breaks up. But I mean, it's just. I don't know. This show is just, I'm hooked. It's the storytelling. It's that those action breaks. Next time you cry, please call me and <laughs> let me, and I want to know what you're crying about. I want to talk about it with you. You haven't been calling me to tell me what you're watching. <laughs> the fact that you were pregnant, but we'll, we will get to that. I can incorporate <laughs> yeah. a couple of these questions into the, your journey in Caroline here. So um, before, because I know I don't want to keep you forever. Okay. So Let's get into Caroline because of this incredible arc and what you were saying. The show is so it's it's um, it is designed for people to die. And what's what I noticed so much in these storylines is that. Like for something like on the OC, it, you couldn't switch up these couples and bounce them around. And all of a sudden they couldn't have superpowers and have different personalities. There's just so much freedom. And what's interesting is I thought, keep thinking to myself, why didn't I watch this show before? I love Interview with the Vampire. I love Twilight. I love, I love all the books. I've read everything. Like, why didn't I watch this? And for some reason, I think, and this is just truly honest, in, in my mind, for some reason, I thought it was more high school vampires, you know, and you guys really, mm -hmm. it's really not, it's very serious drama and it's based in true humanity and everything that humans go through, all of the themes are universal and you deal with a lot of them. So I wanted to mention a couple of these um, storylines that you go through that just, I'm, I'm really, I'm better on the first part of the series than see you help me at the end of the series. But well, I've never actually rewatched it all the way through. So I'm, I'll do my best too, but like there's some later storylines that I'm like, okay, yes, Caroline Slay, you were great. <laughs> but um, when we meet you, you <laughs> mentioned to me in a text because I was asking you that you just, your favorite, one of your favorite scenes that popped into your head was the, your drunk scene, your audition scene mm -hmm. in the pilot. Yeah, what stands it's a, out to you? the pilot episode and it's Caroline sitting there with Bonnie and, you know, she's upset. It's like all over with like Elena and Stefan and, and Bonnie's like, it's not a and Caroline's like, it's never me. He like they never choose me. And Bonnie's like, it's not a competition. And Caroline looks up and goes, yes, it is. Yeah. And I just like the messy vulnerability of just like of just admitting that like we like so often we want to be like, oh, women aren't pitted against women and like but. It it is. And even in high school, I felt that so much. It's like there becomes this boy that everybody likes or this be, this idea of like competing for popularity. And 
and some people get like put on these pedestals and and like we're not supposed to be jealous of them we're supposed to it's like no but that is that is an inherently like a very normal feeling I think for a lot of people and it just made me feel like that resonated with me so much in high school I just I never felt like I you know I always had so many crushes on boys who I just never felt you know, had any, I never knew how to talk to boys though, you know, like they were so scary to me and I never felt like I was the one chosen by a boy until like I, like until I went to like a party and I think had my first beer was the first time I've like felt comfortable enough to like talk with a boy that I thought was cute, you know, which really like, that's a whole other, you know, thing we could get into of just, but like I, and then it just, it, I just resonated with her so much in that scene. And it's and like, that this, was your audition scene. Yeah. And it's like there this, and go. it's unlikable, you know, it's messy, but I, but I just liked her. And I think so many have like felt that, you know, where you like, like, you know, it's that like the whole, the bachelor thing. It's like, everyone wants the final rose and, you know, none of those other girls going home are like, I'm happy for her. They're like, I want to be chosen. I want the final. There's something to be said about all those girls who just like leave early. And I feel like that's Caroline. She was just old, but like, but that's also the fun thing about how she's like the little vampire that could, that not only like, that's what I think is hilarious is that by the end of it, I think Caroline almost dated every single character on the show. <laughs> Well, I will say that like that scene in the first few episodes that you see Caroline in, I think it just really sets her up to be one of the most likable, like relatable characters, especially I'm watching this for the first time when I'm like 17 or 18, which is Caroline's age in the show. And I'm I remember distinctly watching that scene and. I want to say I had gone through my first breakup already, and I just remember being like, oh my God, like, why do I relate to her so much? Like being able to relate to a character, it's like she put on such a brave front in these first few episodes, acting like she's the it girl, nothing bothers her. But then when you see it bother her, you're like, wow, like I get her. And just just the first few episodes, you really get to see like, I feel the most dynamic character of the beginning of the show, especially in that one scene. Especially because she's she's presenting herself as I'm competitive with everyone. And it's almost like she's she's not wishy-washy. She knows who she is and she approaches life in the way she approaches it. And the people around her are like, why do you have you don't have to be that way? She's like, yes, I do. You know, so it's an interesting thing because she starts and starts that way. And when we know what happens over the course of this show, I think it's really wonderful to have. Um, to have writers that you're doing something, Candace, that they're inspired, you you inspire them to continue writing for, for, for that character. They get excited to write for that character. And I think that's a real gift in long-form television. It has a lot of its challenges, but long-form television gives you that ability to go to work and play and do things that the writers say, oh my gosh, that was so cool. I'm going to continue to do that. Did you find that, that you could do that each? Yeah, I was never bored. And I really give mm -hmm. all the credit to the writers. I feel like I was just on this little roller coaster ride that they kept building and building and building like in Sims. And they just kept adding on. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. And I'd learn a lot along the way um, about myself just through Caroline's, you know, moments of growth as well. Um you know, I, I'm so grateful that they, they always, you know, through so many incredible storylines at her, you know, not just romantically, but, you know, kind of finding her voice. And, you know, I know you'd even kind of meant, wrote in one of the emails, like there's, you know, there, there's like this dramatic fight scene with Damon where Caroline, you know, kind of stands up to him finally. And so, you know, we got to see her kind of find that strength and be a bit of a badass and kind of reclaim her newfound uh, like identity as this vampire who's not just like along for the ride, but who's kind of write, gonna write her own story now. And also that like, while we grow and while we change inherently, there are still some messy parts of us that will just always be our mess. You know, mm -hmm. throughout the entire series, she was always someone that would shame spiral and she was a control freak. And, you know, these are little idiosyncrasies that we kind of like fell in love with about her because, you know, it's, it's what made her her, but then also 
I, I like what I liked is it ma- it's made me be able to kind of appreciate my mess, messy bits a little bit because it's so endearing when you see someone else be that. And when you can be, you know, find that kind of fun in someone else, but you beat yourself up for having, you know, parts of yourself that aren't always put together or that are maybe a little loud or maybe a little annoying, you know, but that are just kind of part of you. And if they haven't gone away at this point, that they're just part of your personality, but mm-hmm. gosh, that's part of what makes you, you. And, 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 uh, the, the imperfections of this character, um, I think are one of the things that so many people relate to because, you know, it's funny that it's, she's a vampire with the most human qualities of just being a bit of a mess. She really leaned into it because we saw Vicky become a vampire and that was a tragic mess because her whatever's going on in her life and her personality was magnified and to see Caroline the writer staying true to who she is she's a control freak she's neat she's all of these things but when you open that script and see that you become a vampire did you think oh yes I get to be a vampire this is going to be exciting or were you worried about it worried i mean i thought like oh no like they this might not work out yeah because they were kind of testing it out again they they'd killed off every other female that had become a vampire and they didn't say like we're doing this for the long run i mean they did they i think they they made it clear that from the very from the very first day that it was called the vampire diaries it wasn't called anyone's character title and that they would they would and could kill anyone off when they wanted wow and that's the fun of the show uh, <laughs> which was actors you're like oh this what a, how fun is this um but, but everyone I, comes back <laughs> yeah but everyone comes back we didn't know that at the moment but i like i think what's funny is like you like a character like caroline you know you you hold a you know bright sunny kind of neurotic character like caroline and put her next to this dark gloomy you know stefan and it's you're gonna have like there's a funny dynamic there you know you've also put caroline next to this like werewolf bad guy Tyler and you kind of get this other dynamic and and so like luckily the writers were really sweet and um in letting her kind of play and explore all these like friendships and relationships because I think we brought out so many different parts of her personality and then I don't know it was at season two or three when Caroline and Klaus started having uh, scenes together that it really took off in like a whole other direction and um and that was not intentional i've talked about it a lot basically it's like caroline's in her room and klaus kind of like saves the day and you know and and it was really just supposed to be like a like a moment like oh we see we see a piece of klaus and his like that he has a heart that that was it it was zero setup for any romance it was just supposed to show that like hey he did a nice thing and like let like helped her out so she didn't die you're, are you talking about when she's bitten by the she has the werewolf bite and she's like dying? Whatever it is, he carries her into a bedroom. That's all I remember. He carries mm-hmm. her into a bedroom and he like saves her life or something. And the episode aired. And the next day it was on Twitter where it was like hashtag Claroline or oh. whatever. And yeah. we were like, what's that? Like, that's all right. And the writer's like, well, that's funny. Well, no, no, no. You guys aren't supposed to be like, this isn't a relationship we're writing. <laughs> this was just a one-off. But like, you know what? It, it did so well. We'll like throw in a little nugget. So then they started, it was became this interesting dialogue between like the fans of this like relationship and the writers of the show via Twitter. Uh, and so that was never supposed to be a thing. Ever, wow. Ever, one of my ever, favorite ever. scenes is that one where they're in the forest and she said, and he's like, just be honest with me and I'll leave you alone. And she says, you're, you're right. You're right. I can't admit to myself. And then they have sex. That oh, was and that's, actually, yeah. <laughs> that Which was is like, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds like, because you guys were dancing around each other. And, the, it, the, and this is what the wonderful thing, again, about the long form television is they see something, they get a response and they say, we're going to give the audience, we're going to give the fans just a little uh, little gifts here and there, little treats of Klaus and Caroline, yeah. right? Yeah. I will say it- that is my favorite relationship <laughs> of the entire show. I said to my mom, I was like, episode or like storylines we have to talk about. Oh my God, Klaus and Caroline. Like I'm a sucker for like a slow burn. Like, <laughs> you know, they like each other. Like, and he was just this demon horrible person but he had a soft spot for caroline and that's when you're like 
oh my god like it it was just the best romance of the entire series yeah he was a great addition when he came on because he had yeah, been talking mm-hmm. about it. So and I I went ahead and watched scenes before I watched the episodes. And I was like, I need to go back to when he's introduced. And I got so totally hooked. So I've got my my research where I'm preparing for the podcast. And then I've just got what Mindy's watching, you know, because I have to be caught up. That's not, I'll be watching again tonight. But you had so many great converse or relationships. You, you and Tyler fall into it. And my big question was like, I love the scene where you both admit to each other that vampires are really horny and CG, we're going to talk about sex and, and <laughs> werewolves are horny. And I was like, Mom, it's how- not like I haven't had it. Oh so. boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. But I, I wanted this. when you're watching this CG, because it is very romantic and, and sexy and all this. I, I just glossed over that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because remember in Twilight, Bella and, you know, what's his name? Edward. Um, Edward. Sex was dangerous for a human, but mm-hmm. you have two supernatural. I, I want to know, are, are there any secrets to it? Obviously, it's it's really fast. Yeah, it was. It's, I think I remember like the first time because Trevino is like a brother to me. Even day yeah. one, we were like when they told us that our characters were going to start hooking up. We were like, oh, this is oh. weird. Yeah. Um, and we were both in serious relationships at the time and we were all friends. Yeah. And so it was funny. I remember like that sex scene specifically, like we like had a double date plan that night and we were like, oh, we better do it really fast. So just like we got to like, in, but it is, it's like, it's not, you know, it, it, it was very, it's very jumpy. Like when we do those, like kind of, um, when like vampire moves where they go really fast, basically they, you would, so say that we had to like be kissing on one side of the room, but we had to like vamp to the other side of the room. We'd basically kiss, they'd say freeze and we would pause and then they'd say vamp. And then we would just kind of walk like into the other side of the room and then they go action. And then we start kissing again. They'd be like freeze. And they'd be like now vamp to the bed. And we'd walk slowly to the bed, like backwards and then go unfree. It just, it's so jumpy and not romantic. Yeah. Right. But I also think it's like, I've told this story a bunch, but I I also like to have an icebreaker with sex scenes because they're so awkward mm-hmm. and so by that point especially because we all knew each other so that one is specifically we get into bed and i thought it'd be funny so i went um we, we were doing close up close-up shots in bed and so i had gotten a banana from crafty and uh just put it uh put it in my underpants like in my shorts that i was wearing because he had to like climb on top of me and we had to like roll around in the bed and uh and so that that that's that was my like little prank that I pulled on him. But he was so caught up in like making his muscles look good. I was like, how did you not? I just like he pulled didn't out even his notice. Giant, didn't even notice. Oh, didn't God. even notice. And I was like, look how big this banana. I got a big banana in here, and you're not even complimenting my banana. You're not talking about my banana. <laughs> Getting on top of me. It's normal. I know, but those scenes are always so hilariously awkward. I know you've been on such a journey and I find it so inspiring that you're the the subjects on your podcast and, and living life, you know, living life through all the, the, what do you call it? The, um, in the soil and all the the superman comes from the soil and because that's all we can do is learn from, from that. Um, do you have any life lessons or parting words of wisdom for people who are navigating the world today? It really like I keep thinking that, oh, this is when I'm going to feel settled and this is when I'm going to feel like on the other side of it. And there's not really an other side. There's just kind of through it. And um, and that that I my kind of mantra as of late has been both can be true. You know, it can be beautiful and really hard. You know, I can dislike the experience, but still see like the really beautiful things of um, an experience, even like I just moved, you know, like I I can't walk through the house because it's just covered with boxes. And it's such a danger to like my children to try to walk through the rooms right now. It's just like where the movers just like left mirrors, like leaning against walls. But I, you know, it's like at the same time, you know, there's a mattress on the floor and I made a blanket for it and it can be really beautiful and sweet. And I can be recording with Christmas lights from a closet with you guys and, and both can be true. And, um, and I think that that's so much of, you know, my conversations with people on a super bloom podcast has been, you know, it, you can look back on something that was really difficult and that pushed you to like the boundaries of like you getting to know like what you can, 
can handle and what you don't want to have to handle. And even if you don't want to have to experience that again, you can also look back in appreciation of that time because of uh, how it, um, it weathered you in a wonderful way and kind of prepared you for, for so much that is just waiting for you as you continue to like walk through your own experiences in life. Yeah. Both can be true. It's beautiful, man. You're a beautiful lady. I love you. Thanks. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I know you've been podcasting all day and um, I wanted to give you the hard out, but um, it's been lovely to catch up with you. And thank you so much for for talking about the nostalgia that is so comforting to people. I think even more so in the past few years. I agree. Thank you. Thank you, CG, for asking me to watch the Vampire Diaries. (laughs) Candice, where can everyone find you on social media? I'm at Candice King. I also have some fun little YouTube videos I've been making and I'm on YouTube at It's Candace King. And I think my TikTok is at, at It's Candace King. I don't know. I have some some people I work with that keep me young and cool. And I just uh, it, it takes a village, guys. And and uh, and they know how to make me a TikTok and I do not. So uh, <laughs> but I'm somewhere out there. You know, lip syncing to something that they're telling me is cool, having a good time. So, yeah, but that but it's can't but uh, Candace King on Instagram and you can listen to a Super Bloom podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And we have episodes out every Monday and Thursday. Lovely, wonderful, wonderful. Um, All the best to you and um, congrats on all your success. And I think it's so fun to just, you know, to sit and do this and walk down memory lane like this. So thank you so much. I agree. Thank you, guys. Bye, Candice. How much fun was that? Oh, my gosh. I love Candice so much. It was so much fun. I mean, it's no secret. Vampire Diaries is my favorite show. So any behind the scenes info I can get. I just, I love, I had a great time talking with Candace. Listeners, if you loved Candace talking about these top moments, head over to Patreon for part two of our interview. And we continue to talk more about Caroline, Caroline Forbes and her amazing arc in the show. Yeah, we have some really good additional content on our Patreon for all you TVD fans and you OC fans. Mom, should we uh, tease our guests with some special things we have coming up? We do have some um, iconic shows and guests coming up. Uh, I want to cover shows like 24, of course, Nikita, Walk to Remember, uh, Shane West, hmm, Breakfast Club. Uh, not exactly sure when that's happening, but um, I have a friend that um, is going to come talk to us about that. And that's just to name a few. Of course, we still want to hear what you guys think we should rewatch as well. You can message us on our Patreon or Discord or on um, IG. Uh, the Melinda Clark, I am, and CG is C G M I R. Uh huh. And um, the same names on TikTok, right? And we are taking your suggest- suggestions. Can I say that quick? Suggestions. And we can't wait to continue this rewatch journey. I am so excited to keep watching um, so, you know, some old movies, get back into the old movies after we had a little TVD era. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. And please check out all the bonus content over on our Patreon page. You definitely won't regret it. Yes, I should make a point to hear, to, to let people know that the first part of the podcast is uh, released on Thursdays. And the second part is released the next Thursday. Just to Just to be clear on that. But you get additional content. But we still get additional content. We're trying to give, make sure people are getting some additional content. Uh, so, yes, please do. You don't want to miss out on any of the extra tea. And that being said, okay, bye, bye bitches. bitches. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches.